Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Danielle, and I'm so happy to be able to bring you a bonus episode this week. I had so much fun recording this with the woman from the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. And we just had this really great talk as three moms with tweens and teens all about what we hope our kids see as far as healthy relationships go and what we're trying to model for our kids what we're worried about concerning social media and everything that they see on TikTok and reality shows. And we talk about uh, celebrities that we think are good influences, some that maybe aren't such good influences, and just a whole range of stuff that's on our minds concerning relationships. Because we are all kind of in the thick of it right now with kids ranging in age, I think like 10 years span. So anyway, I wanted to bring this episode to you because sometimes you really just need to hear some moms sit around talking, throwing out some ideas, commiserating, and I loved where this conversation led. So please enjoy this episode. And it's Wet Fresh Hell is hosted by Funny Moms, Margaret Abels, and Amy Wilson. What Fresh Hell is a comedy podcast about the never-ending fresh hells of parenting. Amy and Margaret are each moms of three, dealing with the same hassles as any parent, but with completely different parenting styles. Margaret is laid back to the max. Amy never met a spreadsheet she didn't like. And I think you're really going to enjoy them. Go check them out at What Fresh Hell, the podcast, and on Instagram. And enjoy this episode. Hey, Amy and Margaret, how you doing? We're good. Good. They are having us. It's nice and early for all of us, I believe. Correct? <laughs> <laughs> the kids are at school, and that's right. Mine are out by before eight a.m. How about yours, yeah. Margaret? And mine, mine, mine just are leave. mine are long gone. I don't know. It's morning has taken on a whole new meaning in our lives. Morning used to be like. 9 a.m. used to be the morning for me. And now it's like midday. You know, I've been up since <laughs> six and moving people around and getting breakfast done. Yeah. How old are your kids, Margaret? I have nine, 11 and 13. Oh, wow. And how about you? Amy? Mine are 14, 17 and almost 19. Oh, wow. So between us all, because I have a 10, 13 and 16. So yeah. they're just about every age from nine until <laughs> you cover the waterfront. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I was just saying to you guys before we started recording that I've been interested recently in like, now that I have 
two teenagers and one almost tween and everything, we're in the thick of, okay, relationships are going to start if they haven't already, you know, maybe interested in romantic relationships and everything. Um, and I, I feel like, I mean, I've spoken to you guys before, so you know, my husband and I have gone through so much, you know, as a couple and stuff our kids have seen, but they've also seen us come back from it and everything. Um, and I, I, I think to myself, first of all, are we doing a good job modeling healthy relationships for our kids? I hope so. Second of all, I think about the fact that whether we want to admit it or not, maybe not all kids, but most teenagers are spending like seven to nine hours on devices and social media and everything every day. So that's really where they're getting the majority of their information about, you know, what relationships look like, what the dynamics are, you know, who's breaking up with who, who's getting together with who. It's um, also, I would say it's also where the relationships are taking place. You know, that's where they get most of their information and it's where most of the relationship occurs is over Snapchat and text and they, right. talk, they talk there as much as they talk in real life. Right. And the relationship, I feel like in some ways, I hate to even say this has to be like Instagrammable. Hmm. You know what I mean? So I, I just thought it'd be interesting, especially since we all have these kids of different ages and everything to talk a little bit about that, because we're all kind of in the thick of it, right? Of, of, of getting into, well, wait a minute, we, I got to just start making sure that they're, I'm going to do my best to make sure that they know what a healthy relationship looks like, romantic and non-romantic. Um, so I'm just wondering, you know, from from your sense, um, how concerned are you about the fact that they are getting so much of what a relationship looks like from not not I don't want to say not real relationships, but relationships that aren't right in front of them, right? They're getting snippets and bits and pieces from different places. I mean, I think that I still really, really believe that the primary influencer of how your kids operate in relationships comes from your relationship, that that is the primary relationship of their life, the relationship between their parents. And so I definitely think we have more control over it than maybe we think sometimes that the outside influences are there. They're important to think about. Um, We've talked before on um, our podcast about a book called What Children Learn from Their Parents' Marriages. And it's a fairly long book that can be very easily summed up. And like they learn pretty much everything from their parents' marriage. I mean, they they really do learn a lot from watching the primary relationship of their lives, which is the relationship between their parents. It doesn't mean that they replicate it exactly and that that's your destiny is to be in exactly the same relationship that your parents were in. But I am still of the mind now, to be fair, my kids are not dating yet. My 13 year old is not interested, maybe, maybe interested, but not pursuing relationships at this time. And uh, my two littler ones are still like, ew, gross other people. Um, but I think that it's important to look at those online relationships, but that there is still a tremendous amount of power and control that we have over it. Yep. How about you, Amy? I don't know. I, I guess I, I haven't been that worried about what they're seeing online in terms of relationships as examples. It's more, it's more I'm baffled by their, how different 
romantic relationships and what that means is for teenagers than it was for uh, us, certainly when we were their age, but even now that, um, you know, what it means to be going out. Like I just was talking to somebody this week who said that um, you can't say, oh, I know who it was. It was a friend of mine who has a, um, a 10th grader and an eighth grader. And she said she got the sense that, you know, her, um, her son liked this girl and this girl was coming over. And she said, um, are you, are you talking to her? And she said, that's the euphemism that you have to say. I'm like, oh, I wasn't, I wasn't up on this lingo. It's like, yeah, it's not going out with, it's talking to, are you talking to her? And even that sort of like squinting at, you know, sideways slanting, not, not quite addressing it head on talking to, she calls, uh, this kid's girlfriend, his maybe lady, he, he allows that as well. <laughs> that's, you know, that's as straight on as they want to get. And, and I, and I wouldn't say I'm concerned by it. I am deeply interested and baffled by it. <laughs> My brother famously introduced us when he was in college to his sort of current girlfriend, which is pretty much the only girl he ever talked to as far as we can tell. And they now have been married for 27 years and we oh still refer God. to her as his sort of current girlfriend. Oh, that's so <laughs> funny. Oh my gosh. Maybe not that much has changed. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think I mean, that there are some absolutes here, which is like kids don't want to talk a lot and let their parents in a lot to what's going on in their dating lives. Definitely. Yeah, but there are these two sides, I feel like, especially right now, because we have this whole world of reality TV and this different kind of celebrity than we had when we were growing up, right? Like this, I mean, when we were growing up, you know, we I was definitely, I don't know about you guys, but I was definitely into the celebrity relationships and, you know, who, which couple is on the, the cover of Bop magazine and all of that, but it's a di- there's a different kind of celebrity now. And I feel like a novelty involved in, you know, we have the bachelor, we have the bachelorette, we have, you know, the Kardashians, we have all of these sort of different style of reality and celebrity that we didn't deal with. And I think it can, it can distort a little bit what the progression and consistency of a relationship looks like. But on the other hand, I, I think to myself, I mean, all the rage right now is Taylor Swift's Red. I don't know how much you guys know about Red. And I was just reading like a real mom, a New York Times article about yeah. Taylor Swift's Red. <laughs> I know Red. very little, like a real and mom. And I was <laughs> dialing in from that perspective. I was like, oh, look at this analysis of Taylor Swift's song in the right. New York Times. I, I mean, still think of Taylor Swift as being like an eighth grader myself, you know, like I'm I'm an oldie locks. So I'm like, oh, that sweet little kid that writes all those songs about breakups. And she, what is she, 30 now? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think she is almost either almost 30 or 30. Uh, but Red basically is this album. I mean, on so many levels, it makes her such a badass because she's number one, you know, taking back ownership of her songs that were sort of taken from her unjustly when she was too young to understand what was going on. And then on the other hand, she's also, she was in the business very young and she had these relationships with these older guys, Jake Gyllenhaal um, and John Mayer and everything. And I think she's looking back saying this was wrong. They shouldn't have, I was 19 at the time and they, you know, they were, I think Jake Gyllenhaal was 31 or whatever. And And I think she is saying to the world, whereas a lot of people say, what are you doing, you know, writing about every ex that you have, you write about, but she's also saying, no, we need to call this out. And she's giving, I think, girls permission, the fact to say, listen, if you're not going to be good to me, I I am going to call it out and I'm not going to take it. 
um, and that that's okay to do. So I feel like there are these two sides. And then you have Lizzo, who's very empowering and is very like, I'm beautiful. And if you don't think I'm beautiful, keep walking. And, you know, I will find somebody who thinks I, I am. So I feel like there are these two dichotomies going on, you know, in the world, like there's this empowerment thing. And then there's also this sort of, you know, very frivolous, the turnover of relationships is very fast. Um, so I don't know, you know, you get kind of lost in all of it. Yeah. Um, but it's very interesting to me because I do think that there is this Taylor Swift is sort of opening up this can of why, you know, why shouldn't we be calling out these bad relationships and what happens? And this is what you should be looking for. So I don't know. I think it's pretty cool that she's doing that. I um, was just talking to friends the other night about that. What I see with my daughter and her friends, a tremendous amount of personal confidence in the way that they want to be in the world. And I see them expressing themselves in ways that I would have never done as an elementary or low middle school kid. I mean, my only goal was to be either completely unnoticeable or to walk in lockstep with whoever I thought was the cool girl in class, you know, so that I might be appealing to the cool boy in class. And I don't know. I think these things kind of get lost in prisms a little bit where we think like, well, everything's different. And I think, well, I mean, they have kind of the bachelor. We had fairy tales and romance and Meg Ryan movies. And I don't know that I think some of this stuff is it ever has been and ever shall be, you know, these kind of ideas about romance and how it should work. But I, I have been impressed by seeing the way that my kids and especially young women, I just see them saying things like, you know, I really don't like to be called that. And and this is how I like to dress and it's nobody's business. And I, I don't know if it's new or if I'm just getting old and I it's new to me, but I've been impressed by that. And I hope it's something that, you know, I hope it is about a real underlying confidence and not just another operating system to kind of reach the same spot, I guess. That's that's what I think. I think like some of this like, you know, like who I am or keep walking is sort of performative bravado that I guess, you know, is interesting and empowering. But my, my daughter listens to a uh, podcast and is really into a, a particular YouTube channel that's just a young couple talking about their lives and like dealt with the miscarriage and stuff. And I have a teenager who's deeply invested in this podcast. And sometimes I'm like, what the heck is she listening to? But, but it's actually, they're, they're putting themselves out there. Like their content is not, here's me in this gown living in a beautiful mansion you could never be in. It's much more relatable and it's much more close and it's much more honest. And she is all about that. And I think overall, it's a very good thing they were hearing about all kinds of relationships. I don't know, as compared to like Brad and Angelina on their private jet with their 18 kids and we'll never be as cool as them. And then it's like, oh, they were unhappy the whole time. It was sort of an old fashioned. Right, right. You know, you're, they're way different from us. And now maybe we've gone too far in the like celebs. They're exactly like us. They pump gas. They, <laughs> you know, call out their mean ex or whatever. Maybe we've gone too far in the other direction. But I think overall, it's probably pretty good. Yeah, I think so. I remember talking to a young woman uh, when Kate Middleton and um, the prince got married and she was saying, oh, she's just the luckiest girl in the world. <laughs> I bit my tongue to be like, 
what in the history of this right. story right. would suggest to you that this young woman is winning a lottery Lucky, ticket right yeah. now? Like, I hope it's working out for them. I don't know anything about their lives. I hope they're great. But there's not a lot in the history there to suggest that that's an easy road that she's just embarked on. And I think also, though, and we talk so much about this on the podcast, wanting to impart our knowledge to our kids is so challenging and difficult because we all went through a phase where we saw like a beautiful princess in a white dress marrying a prince and everyone in the city was, you know, waving flags and cheering for them as a dream. And so to sort of want to go back and be like, actually, that's a very complicated family dynamic on a public stage in which <laughs> there's a longstanding patriarchy involved. You know, it, it's hard. You want to kind of give them that perspective, but also without totally going in and being like, listen, kid. Yeah, yeah. but like think about Harry and Meghan, like they're doing that, right? Like I'm yeah. not sure my daughter does have, I mean, I, I, I got her up to watch the Harry and Meghan wedding with me. Like, oh, she's so beautiful. Like, oh my God, look at the little girls. And you know, we she totally, you know, wigged out with me on the on the beautifulness of the fairy tale princess. But now it's like, if you know nothing about about if you know nothing about pop culture, you know, in the last five years, you know that Harry and Meghan say goodbye to everything. Like even my husband, who lives under a rock when it comes to this stuff, knows that you know, that Megan has clapped back at the palace. So that was not that's all that's was another, it, That's another influential couple. And that's true also, because I think a lot, look, there were two reactions when that all happened. There was the reaction of, oh, she's so spoiled. Here she is a princess. And how could she? And then there's, you know, the other reaction I think that most people had was, um, she's doing what, they're doing what's best for them. And they're not letting a toxic environment rule them no matter how, you know, embedded in it they are. They have found a way to say that, you know, our relationship is more important, our kids' lives is more important, and this is what we're going to do. So, yeah, I mean, it's true. There are these two sides of, um, there are these really powerful, strong relationships right now that are existing and lasting that are out there also that I guess, you know, are, are good to see. So, yeah, but there's a performative side to it all. Right. Like you, if you want to be left alone, you can be just be left alone instead of continuing to create content about how you just want to be left alone. And I think I do think there, that there's that part that I think is a little bit dangerous for our kids that they have to perform their breakup on social media. If there's any sense of that or, you know, <laughs> you can just keep your sadness private. We don't all have to make hit songs out of it. It's not necessarily for your friend's consumption. How you right, feel. right. Well, there's that feeling of now they just want the collective like I want everyone to feel what I'm feeling. And, yeah. you know, we can all kind of be in this together. And it's it's the I guess when you're feeling like that and you get that kind of feedback um, and you get that kind of attention, it sort of takes away maybe from the hurt a little bit mm -hmm. and put your energy in. Oh, well, look, I, you know, I'm I have all these people who are, you know, behind me or supporting me or whatever. And it's complicated. <laughs> and getting attention is very thrilling. I mean, it is. And I think that that's something that there's just a lot more. My son recently had a certain emergency surgery his appendix. It was, it turned out to be fairly minor, but I was very struck by like the FaceTime calls to the friend. 
well, I'm going in for surgery. You know, I mean, it was very he was clearly feeling that thrill of like, I am the story this week. And and I think that's relatable and fine. But I do also think that it's different than when we were kids, when maybe you would go back to school and be like, hey, this thing happened. And we'll be like, OK, great. Let's now go to French class that there's a lot more opportunities to tell your story and it's thrilling, but it probably has some downsides. Yeah. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. What you guys were saying about the parents being the primary relationship. I mean, I agree with that also that I think obviously what they're, what they're seeing every day and, and, and what they're around and what's being modeled is so important for me. Um, I have a meme that has got had that went kind of viral a few years ago. That was sort of like, yes, my husband and I fight in front of our kids, but we also laugh, apologize, you know, make up our affectionate, all those things. Um, because we do, I mean, listen, I can't deny there was a time during, there was probably a year and a half where our kids were seeing us fight more than anything. And over the course of a few years, it's, uh, it's, you know, changed drastically. But there's part of me also that says, I don't want my kids to think that marriage and relationships are a walk in the park. Um, and I I believe that there is a way to fight in front of your kids and a way to argue. And obviously there's uh, healthy and unhealthy versions of what that looks like. But how do you guys feel about fighting in front of your kids and what they see and how much should be done behind closed doors? Um, we had a guest, Janelle Hanchett, on our show, and, and she I don't know if she was quoting someone else, but she said she's like, there are things that are too heavy for your kids to hold. And it's important to know what things are those things. And I think that out of control conflict is too heavy for young kids to hold, probably. So a, a, a kind of a conflict that they see that feels unsafe to them is, um, I think, a negative, probably. But conflict that is real and that you're working out together is probably fine. I mean, I think I always say, I mean, the the bad dynamic that my husband and I get into is me being like, uh, you're an idiot who gets in my way. Like that's kind of a default setting that we fall back into sometimes. And that is something I think about a lot because I do think that my two boys at some point, if I allow that behavior to go on unchecked, will at some point be sitting at my dinner table with a woman who talks to them like they're a moron and I'm not going to like seeing that. And I keep, it's too facile to say it's an absolute one-to-one, but I do think that treating your partner with respect is important, but putting up some sort of facade that like we are the prince and the princess who just had our greatest day ever and that that's important for kids to see is a useless undertaking and not worthwhile. So I think it's a balance. Mm-hmm. I think sort of modeling respectful disagreement. I mean, it depends on what fighting is, right? Like fighting can mean a lot of things. 
uh, you know, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wish I never married you, you know, scream that in front of my kids. I don't know that that's useful, but, but, uh, modeling, like, no, that's not, that's not what I said. Let's take, let's walk this back for a second. I think that that's fine and, and probably necessary. And I don't know, like Margaret thinking about what you were just saying, is it you're, you're suggesting, and I think this is what I think too, that if you're modeling, you, you know, being disrespectful, I, if you're modeling being disrespectful to your partner in front of your kids, they might be more likely to grow up and try to recreate that in their romantic relationship. So it's better if they don't see it or it's better if they do see it. I guess it's not better to see disrespect. It is good to see disagreement. It's a it's a it's a total balancing act because you can't be false all day. You live in your house with your children. But I do think that having an awareness around are we kind of falling into a default mode with each other that our kids are seeing all the time that is something that I don't want them to replicate is a very useful yardstick that I try to keep in mind. That And also, I think it's very fine to give voice to it. Listen, I'm having a really hard week. My work is super stressful and dad's work is super stressful and the two of us are really stressed out. And so we've been fighting a lot and we don't really like that and we're trying to work on it. Like, it's fine to talk about what's really going on and I don't think that pretending that things are fine works. I mean, if it worked, I'd be maybe all for it, but it's just not viable. But I do think finding that balance between being able to say, listen, we're having a bad time. I don't like the way I talked to dad last night and I apologize to him and letting your kids in on that is probably smart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other, on the other hand, there are certain things that I think Adam and I have done really well as far as modeling goes. Um, I mean, we, we do let our kids know that there is a time every week where we spend by ourselves and they know that that time is important to us. And, um, you know, and, and they see, oh, mom and dad want to be together, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and during those times, they either go to their grandparents or even sometimes they just have to hang out upstairs together. My daughter has a big room and they'll go in there and watch a movie or whatever. But I think that they, they do see that we, we do really at the core like each other and we like to be together. Um, so I'm just wondering what things you feel like you've done really well as far as modeling for your kids, as far as relationships go, because I'm always looking for new ideas. <laughs> I mean, for me, one thing that I try to do, because we do have this kind of bad default mode is like, oh, dad, so annoying that guy, you know, that I try really hard to give voice to because my husband is an amazing husband and a great father to really give voice to that as much as possible that when he comes home and has gotten something special for them or has taken the boys to a movie they really wanted to see I try to really underline that like wow you have the greatest dad like he took his day he could have been doing x y and z and instead he spent the day with you doing this thing and another thing and my husband and I have had conversations about this and he has started to underline it is that he'll say, what do we say to mom for this great dinner that she made? You know, she could have been doing a lot of things rather than cooking you this dinner. And we try to speak really well and, and, and voice our respect for the other person in front of our kids. And I think that makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. That's something we are working on. You know, we catch ourselves not doing it and try to try to work it back in something that we have 
I think struggled with and are working to do a better job on. So we're not quite there yet, but we're working on it is um, same teaming it when one of us is in conflict with our uh, teenagers that uh, I don't know, say, say I'm, you know, in conflict with my high schooler, uh, my, my spouse might say something like you two need to just figure that out. You two need to do this, you know, or I might do the same thing if the shoe were on the other foot, like you and dad just have to, I, I can't take this, that we were each of us drawing a circle around the other parent and the teenager in conflict and standing outside it because it made ourselves feel better. Like I get an A today, the teenager's not fighting with me, he's only fighting with you. But that was not um, not great for our relationship and not great for the conflict with the teenager either, that we need to figure out how to draw, you know, draw ourselves in that circle. Like if you're, if you're talking like that to dad, you're also talking like that to me. You're disrespecting both of us and don't, you know, don't talk to my partner that way instead of I'm out of here. You two are crazy. Um, so that's something we're working on. Right. Yeah. That's, that can be hard to do. And the good cop, bad cop, I feel like just kind yeah. of sometimes happens. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So and it feels great to be the good cop. It feels great to be the like, Hey, he's not yelling at me. <laughs> we have a great relationship. I don't know what's going on with you two, but of course it's going to, you know, be the other way the next day. And, and, you know, you'll wish you had been more helpful when it was the other person's turn. Right. And, and I do think it's interesting, Margaret, what you were saying about the fact that he, he, you're not just like, there are times when I think a partner will say, don't talk to your mom like that, or don't talk to your dad like that or whatever. But the other side of that is to proactively, like you said, point out other stuff. Oh, look at the dinner, you know, isn't it amazing? Or, you know, she planned this vacation or she working so hard at work so you guys can have nice things or it, it just, I, I think sometimes we forget that element and we wait until, um, until we're, we're, on the other side, reprimanding our kid, saying, don't talk to your mother like that or whatever, which is also sometimes good to show that you're on the same team. But I think we can forget to actively say to our kids like, wow, you know, isn't that unless it's like Mother's Day or Father's Day or, you know, Christmas or something. Um, so, yeah, I think that's so interesting. And the last thing I was well, I wanted to ask you guys is about. So for me and my relationship with Adam relationships are really important to me, like the women in my life, my friends, um, you know, I have this amazing support network. My husband, on the other hand, does not have a lot of other relationships in his life. And I find when I talk to my friends or when I talk to experts or other podcasters or anything that a lot of times, if it is a, um, a heterosexual couple, that, that is the dynamic kind of that, the, the woman is the one who sort of has these strong bonds and the man not so much. And I think what ends up happening is now the woman is sort of being all the things to her husband, right? Like my husband will always say, I don't need other relationships. I have you or, well, you're making the social arrangements or, and it's something that we're working on also. But I, I, I want to show my kids that you need these relationships that aren't romantic. It's so important because the, the romance is one thing and everything, but you get something different from every relationship in your life. And I'm sure like your kids see you two, you know, have had this successful podcast for all these years and everything and your friends and they, they see that it's an important relationship to you. 
And I don't know, I think there's something to be said for, yes, romantic relationships and your partner is extremely important. But I have to be honest, I have friendships that, you know, while we're not quote unquote in love and it's not romantic, I am to some degree like in love with them. You know, like I have that same sense of need for them and that passion for them. So I don't know, I'm wondering where that works in for you guys. Uh, this is a fight that I have let go in my marriage. A hundred percent. I have made like Elsa and let it go. Like it's, I was obsessed with this for the first, I'm married 13 years, probably the first decade that I was married, that my husband did not have relationships outside of me. And I think 10 years in, I just realized like, oh, I've been fighting this battle for 10 years and it's, it's different for him. I think it's very fundamentally different. I think he has a very different need for socialization and friendships than I do. I am extra social, as Amy will tell you, like I am. I make best friends with the bus driver. I know all the cashier's names and backstories at the grocery store. Like I love making connections with people. I have a whole series of really deep friendships and my husband has a great group of um, friends from college, some of the best friends of his life. He talks to them once a year, you know, that my my girlfriends and I go away together on a trip. And I think for me, I was very locked in this mindset of, well, I need to craft that and create it. I was literally like setting him up on play dates at a certain point. It was absurd. And they didn't take because I just don't think he has that same need for those relationships. I don't think it feeds him in the same way. He's at work all day talking to people and interacting with people. He has a great time. If we go to a party, he's great. He's chatting with everybody. I can throw him in any social situation and he will find someone to chat with and be fascinated by that person. But it is not in his blood in the way it is in mine. And I've decided like, oh, I'm out on this one. It's okay. It's okay for him to live in that way. And it works for him. Mm -hmm. We, I got to say, we're sort of the opposite that um, it, it's because my husband works outside the home and I don't. And it's because we're not thinking in our lives. We've sort of prioritized his work friends have become our friends and they do the things that they're interested in. It's male driven. It's, you know, it's, uh, doing sports on the weekends driven. And, and uh, my friends who are artists, we spend less time with them. It's just the way that our lives have gone. Uh, we, I also have a kid with chronic illness. And so I've spent a lot of time at home. So I think I have fewer relationships than my husband does. Um, and I think I have, you know, fewer and deeper and he is maybe wider and shallower, not in a pejorative way, just in a more of them kind of way. But I think it can be, but it can get really prickly when he's like, well, you need to do this. You need to do this. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. Like with what time, with who like that, you know, like the ship has sailed. Yeah, no, I, I missed out on the making friends when I was home with the kid all the time. I think it can be a little bit of a quicksand to get into telling your spouse that they have to fix their relationships because I think there are different set points for friendships and, and who needs how many. Yeah, but I think from the perspective also of if you're going through a hard time or if the relationship doesn't last, you know, if, if you get divorced or if it doesn't work out, which we know 50% of the time it doesn't, that that there are these other relationships who are going to be there and help you and Quite honestly, if something happened with me and Adam, which at one point it almost did, number one at that time, um, 
I wasn't being very honest with the people around me about what was going on. So they couldn't really help me. And number two, had we, you know, split up, I think I would have had a ton of people helping me, my friends and everything. I don't know how much support Adam would have had, you know, I mean, it was, so I think from that perspective, I even to my boys all the time, I say it is so important. I like, you know, I, I beat it to a pulp to the fact that like, they, you know, happiness, they show that happiness is when you have three really strong relationships that are outside of your romantic relationships. You always want to make sure you have at least three other relationships that are super strong and all of that. Because I think that during that time when our relationship was so like, you know, just awful, um, I wasn't being real with every, with anybody else. And it was so lonely, you know, that when, when, you go through something like that, I feel like it's so important to have those other relationships. And also for my kids, I say to them, look, there's stuff that dad hates. Dad hates camping. He hates certain things. We go, I go camping with friends and we bring our kids, you know, girlfriends and we bring our kids and everything like all that other stuff that you can't quite give each other that you want to get from other places. So I don't know. That's something that I feel like I have almost made as important as romantic relationships, you know, is like for yourself or for your, or, or for your kids, do you mean? I think both. I think I am trying to number one, make those for myself, but I also think it has fulfilled our lives in so many ways. Like I think my, you know, I look back on my mom's relationships and I never like felt close with her friends. I don't know about you guys. Like I never felt like I could have gone to one of them and talked to them or anything, but I think my kids do feel that way with my friends. I don't know. So it's something to me that I think has benefited all of us. Yeah. And I think it goes back to the idea of modeling. Like you're modeling that really well for your kids. And we live in a small, friendly town. And I feel like my kids have a strong sense that like community is um, super, super important. And I think that those are the lessons that are like DNA level lessons. I, uh, my friend Jenny Anderson wrote a piece about uh, losing her brother and talking about that, like, life is a series of birthday parties. It's a series of relationships that you're building over these small experiences. And that the lifestyle that you live models that for your kids in a way that is not necessarily about like, I need to set my husband up on play date so my kids see that relationships are important. My husband, I think, is a, he's an engineer. He lives in his head to a large degree. Like, his idea of a great time is like reading, you know, an eight part series on like elves who live in a magical world or whatever it is. He's He's got an internal life that is very important to him. I have much more of an external life, but we function within our community in that when someone's husband passes away, we are there to mow the lawn and help repaint the rooms and bring the food and that we live with community being a very important value in our lives. But I think that that goes deeper than just like, it's important for my husband to sort of go out on play dates to model this to our kids. Like this sense of community goes a lot deeper than that. Right. That's interesting too, because we do not feel embedded in our community at all. Mm -hmm. So that might be part of it that Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe one day my kids will be in a community where they feel very 
invested, but we are certainly not there, although we have very close friends in the community, but it's not that type of feeling. So I, I think what you're saying is, is makes a lot of sense that sometimes you're just rooted in the community. Whereas I've sort of had to reach out and, you know, you had to create um, it a little bit more. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. Planning for your next trip, elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I don't know. For me, I worry constantly about the fact that I feel like that we're racing against the clock. I recently said this in an episode that I feel like I'm playing like a game of operation, right? Where it's like, you know, you're shaking because you got to get all the pieces in before it pops and, you know, and then it's going to be too late and it's over. And I'm, I'm constantly racing against the clock. Like I, I feel like it's like that days of our lives sand through the hourglass thing. And I'm like, Oh my God, I haven't taught them everything that I want to teach them before they leave home. And I, to me, the biggest component of my life has become relationships. You know, obviously my, my relationship with Adam, which has gone through so much and stronger than ever, but also these, these other relationships that, you know, to me, I feel like if you have that component, everything else can sort of fall into place. Right. If you have that sort of support. Um, so it's just a really interesting conversation for me. And I would, yeah, but I would argue like that the hours, the, the, the sand through the hourglass, it's not really like that. I have a, a son who's a first year college student now. And I talk to him all the time and I try to, I try to let him initiate. Right. Cause I don't want to be like, how are you? What are you up to? Of course I miss him terribly. Um, but I'm so happy he's actually really thriving where he is. But I, I talked him through a, uh, a breakup like over the phone, you know, and, and he reached out to me and he is continuing to learn and develop his, <laughs> his muscles in terms of relationships and friendships and romantic relationships and what's important to him about those things. And um, I don't think that they, you know, leave for freshman year of college and you never talk to them again about these things and they they grow and develop and and you get to be part of that. I think that's right. And I think that we we try to always put in people's paths on our podcast is like, you're doing fine. It's okay. Like I think about my own relationship with my parents, which was strong and positive and great, but my parents didn't spend a lot of time being like, how's the inner life going? You know, like how they didn't, we didn't talk about all of these things. We operated together as a genuinely loving and generally loving family with our own problems and our own, you know, operating systems that were healthy in some ways and not healthy in other ways. And that part of the journey of life is finding those things out in the world. And I think that we've gotten this idea now of like, you have 18 is the finish line. And if you haven't poured every totally. piece of knowledge and wisdom into their brains by 18, then they're just going to be like little veal to the slaughter. And I think that that's something we work a lot against on our podcast that like we're doing fine. We're raising kids we love in loving homes that have good days and bad days and good, you know, 
relationships and bad relationships. And that we're basically trying to say to our kids, like, we're human beings trying to get through the day. And when you're out there in the world, like, we're a safe place to come home to, but you're going to figure out a lot of this stuff. We can't even imagine what they are going to start confronting out in the world when they get out of here. And so that's something we try to talk and work a lot about. Right. That's true. That makes me feel better. <laughs> you're doing great. It's not, oh, thank you. It's not, thank um, you. what's the game where like you have to fit all the pieces in before it explodes. Yeah, like operation. Um, operation. Operation. But there's another one that's like even more mentally. Like, don't wake daddy. It's like, like one of those. It's like all these little shapes and then it, it shakes. Oh and yeah. Then yeah. Perfection. Get them, what oh, is it called? Perfection. Perfection. Yes. See, it's called oh, perfection. maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Maybe I'm getting like, that's it. Like that's that's the wrong metaphor for this thing. It's not yes. it doesn't explode one day. And if you miss yes. your oh, shot, it's all over. I feel like that sometimes. Maybe. I get it. We all feel like that sometimes. But it yeah. is definitely something we talk about in terms of like there is no right answer. There is no finish line. And frankly, you're not the captain of their ship. They're captaining their own ship. And I think that the, to the degree that we think like we have to steer them in all the right directions, it's like we're standing on the shore and they're in a boat. And the best we can do is say like, hey, this is what we did. This is what we tried. Learn from our mistakes, take other tacks. But yeah, we're not in we're not as in control as we think. You hope their their first year roommate is going to be awesome. Mine was like I was really worried about that. Like, what if they're not friends? What if they're not this? And and he was getting all sorts of in the last minute, you know, everybody tells their horror labor stories to a woman who's nine months pregnant. Everybody right. was telling my kid, oh, the like gosh. my roommate was the worst. And he was so worried and they're totally fantastic friends. And I think, you know, I think I raised a great kid and I also think he got lucky and, uh, and I think he would have been prepared to navigate a more tricky situation, but at some point his roommate was his roommate and he was going to have to figure out how to be in a relationship. You and know, I will say my freshman year roommate and I were really did not get along and I had to navigate. <laughs> I changed roommates and I had to navigate that whole situation. And I did. And it was a big right. learning for me at 18 to figure out like, OK, at what point do I want to advocate for myself? At what point do I want to change? You know, hmm. the things that yeah. come up are you've just got to, you know, they'll be ready for them. Have they'll have to figure them faith. out. Yeah. I know. I know. I guess I'm at the point now where, you know, sometimes I'm like, it just feels like they're not as independent at this point as maybe I was thinking or hoping they would be. But, you know, maybe I'm also too in it and I'm too close to it, you know, so maybe if I move back a little bit and, and got a peripheral view, it would look a little bit a little bit different. I remember uh, when I had my first apartment, I turned the oven on and I didn't know it was an oldie timey apartment and it had a pilot light. So I lit the range and then the oven was filling up with gas and I hadn't lit the pilot light. So when the gas from the oven hit the range, the oven exploded and like <gasps> blew me across the room. I was no. fine, but it was like a huge, crazy explosion. And I told my mom about it. I was maybe 22, like right out of college. And I said, well, I didn't know. I didn't know. And she said, it just makes me wonder what else you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's parenting right there. Like totally. you're never going to remind them to like, always check if the pilot light is lit. I mean, things are going to happen. I don't and, even, and, you do know, <laughs> you can't possibly guess what's coming down the road. Right. That is true. That is true. I tell everybody where they can find you because you really are such a supportive, I mean, podcast and the two of you are awesome. So tell everyone all the places they can find Brett Fresh Hell. Thank you. 
Our podcast is called What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Um, you can find us on any podcast platform to search What Fresh Hell, or you can go to whatfreshhellpodcast.com and sort of choose your player, choose your own adventure from there. Great. And on Instagram and uh, Instagram. Oh, yeah. Instagram, Facebook at What Fresh Hellcast. And on Twitter at What Fresh Media, because long story, couldn't the use Twitter. Fresh Hellcast. <laughs> yeah. It's always something different for Twitter. What yeah. Fresh Media on Twitter. Did yeah. I forget anything, Margaret? I don't think so. Google What Fresh Hell Podcast if yeah, you want to I mean, find us and you will find us. We're out there. Yeah, you, yeah, you definitely are. Thank you guys <laughs> so, so much. And I hope you have a great day. Thank nice you. It was great talking to you. You too. 